I don't desire to occupy the rest of the time tonight. Um, I would like to share that this time with anybody else who has a testimony that you'd like to share. It can be from your seat or it can be anybody up here. We want the Holy Spirit to continue to have us right away. And I do desire your prayers tonight. I um, had two subjects on my mind recently, and I don't know if I should attempt to cover both of them, but I'm going to try. Um, in the Bible, there's several places, several situations where we can see that God has set certain things in complete opposition to one another. They cannot coexist. And I've had my mind on a couple of those situations. I'm going to try to share those with you all tonight. Um, the first being light and darkness. And the second being thanksgiving and covetousness. If you think about those two pairs of things, they don't go together. They hear... They are complete opposites. And I'm going to start with light and darkness. Uh, this comparison of these two things is, is mentioned many times throughout the scripture. And I'm not going to attempt to cover all those tonight, but I'd like to start with 1 John, the first chapter, fifth verse. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I too, enjoyed the young folk service this morning. As Brother Stephen just mentioned, there were several testimonies of victory, several testimonies of deliverance, and several testimonies of explaining real clearly that the purpose of Jesus Christ's coming was to fully deliver us from sin. Um, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. If we turn over into Acts, this is the 26th chapter. Paul was before Agrippa, and he said, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. This is Paul speaking of his conversion experience when, when God called him. Those of you that are sanctified tonight, don't you remember when God called you? It was real. It wasn't. It didn't require imagination. It didn't require somebody talking you into it. But, but I remember it. It was very real. So Paul is given an account here. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, 
Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. So as, as, as we think about these two passages that I've just read there in 1 John and here in the 26th chapter of Acts, there are definitely two separate and distinct works that occur in a person's life in order to obtain salvation. We must confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But he doesn't just leave us there floundering around, reverting back. But he brings full deliverance. He is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he delivers us and gives us an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Um, over in the, um, there's some more places I want to talk to, talk, share with you tonight about light, but I want to go ahead and try to, if I can, Lord's help, share with you how this compares, how this relates to thanksgiving and covetousness. And I want to start with, with Exodus. And this is the the last of the Ten Commandments. This is the 20th chapter of Exodus. Starting, this is this, I'm just going to read the 17th verse. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And as we read in the scripture many times, oftentimes, now let me back up, everything that's recorded in the scripture is important. Don't misunderstand me. But there are some key truths that we really need to focus on. And as you think about Jesus and the last message that he gave his disciples about going into all the world and preaching the gospel, it wasn't just coincidence that he shared that at the very last, gave the Great Commission. You know, we need to obviously honor and keep all of the Ten Commandments, and it's not just these ten. There's a lot of things that you can think about that will cause you to miss heaven that may not easily be identified with maybe one of these ten. Now, but I'm going to make it, well, Jesus made it a little simpler, if you want to think about over there in Matthew, where he said, where that lawyer came to him, tempting him, trying to catch him, trying to trip him up. He said, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? 
And Jesus responded and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. So if you think about that, the first one, loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, that covers the first four. Maybe yesterday. Um, and then the, the, sec, the, the loving thy neighbor as thyself covers the remainder. <coughs> but uh, the point I'm getting at here, he saved this one for the end. Thou shalt not covet. There's a lot of things here that our land today will agree are wrong. And they'll put you in prison for. Killing, stealing. Um, a lot of things the society looks at and says, well, yeah, that's wrong. Adultery is wrong. But I've never heard of anybody thrown in jail for coveting. And it is glorified. In fact, the marketing and the advertising of pretty much every generation has been this way since I've taken notice, and it's still this way today. It attempts to inflame that covetousness which is idolatry. So, while, while we would all agree, while society would agree, while the government would agree, that some of these other things that are maybe a little more maybe despicable or obviously wrong, this one right here is probably going to keep more people out of heaven than any of the others. I hate to be negative. I don't want to make this to be a negative sermon tonight. But over, so let's go back. Let's go back to the, let's go back to light and darkness for a minute. I'm going to take you to Matthew. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the sixth chapter. I appreciate this water. My mouth is a lot drier than it normally is when I'm in church. This is the sixth chapter of Matthew, starting with the 19th verse. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, where you place your treasure, your desires, the 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 internal yearnings of your heart that nobody else knows about but you and God where that energy is being focused where that energy is being driven is, is where you've placed your treasure that's where your heart's going to be but getting back to the light it says the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light so the light is to the body like, like the sun is to this whole world. Uh, it's what illuminates. It's what, it's what gives direction. It's what gives an unction. It's what gives um, motivation for everything that we do. So where is your light coming from? Is it, is it the true light? The light of Jesus Christ? If your eye is single, meaning if... if as Brother Kurt opened the service tonight, he mentioned a couple of times seeking and serving God with all of your heart. That's the only way you can do it. 
um, there's no other way to seek and serve God. You're not going to find God if you search for him with only half, or if you only search for him part-time. But it says here, if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if our focus is 100% on desiring the will of God for our life, if our focus is 100% on desiring the Holy Spirit to come in and direct everything that we do, then we're going to be full of light. But if that eye be evil, well, what is the evil eye? Well, it's, it's a covetous eye is what it is. It's an eye that's not singly focused on one thing. Uh, I'm going to recommend to you tonight that you entirely focus your eye on God's will for your life. Have your eye be single on that. But this evil eye that it speaks of is a covetous eye. It's an eye that gets distracted. It's an eye that desires other things besides what God would have for you. That eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. In other words, if you're going to lose the light that God blessed you with. If, if, you, if, if that single eye becomes an evil eye, then that light of God... That, that, that he has made available to each one of us, it's, it's, going, to dis, it's going to go away. It, it, can't, it can't reside in the same place as darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man cannot serve God and mammon. It doesn't say here that it's just a bad idea to serve God and mammon. It's saying here that it's impossible. It's, it just can't be done. You cannot serve God and mammon. No man can serve two masters. You know, I think sometimes people go through life and they haven't, they're double-minded, they haven't sold out 100% to Jesus, they haven't surrendered all, and that man's unstable in all his ways. The scripture tells us that. But sometimes, I think devil, the devil has people deceived who haven't completely surrendered all to God. He wouldn't have them realize that they are despising God. He wouldn't have them realize that they are hating God, as it, as it, as it would say here. For he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. <clears throat> That's what I was doing before I chose to serve God. I didn't respond to God immediately when he called me as a young boy. But as I got older, realized that I was lost, he continued to call, and he continued to send conviction on my heart, and showed me that I was a sinner, and that I needed a Savior, and that I needed to serve him with all my heart. Um, but you cannot serve God in mammon. I want to flip over to, this is in First Timothy, the sixth chapter.
chapter starting with the sixth verse says but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment let us be there with content but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I will admit to y'all that I have struggled with that verse as a younger person to try to comprehend, to try to understand how the love of money could be the root of all evil, okay? Now, as I was, when I was younger, there were some things to me that I could obviously connect the dots and see, okay, well, the person stole because they, they wanted something they didn't have. Or the person uh, killed for money, maybe. Or the person did this or that. There are, some, there are some evil things that we can obviously connect the dots and say, okay, I can see how the love of money caused that evil to Cause that person to make a bad choice, to make a sinful choice, to make an evil choice. We can see it. It's very obvious in some cases. Well, there's some cases where it may not be so obvious. But it's still the same motivator. And I want to share, I want you all to think about this. And you don't have to agree with me 100%. But this is how I, this is, uh, I, I feel confident this is, this is, this is how the Lord has shared it with me. The love of money, we're not just talking about these dollar bills in our wallet, okay? If you think about the love of money as the love of any type of gain, okay? I'm not just talking about material gain. No, it is material gain, but it could be the desire for fame. It could be the desire for position, for, for uh, recognition. It could be the desire for... Um, your children even. It doesn't have to be for you necessarily. It could be the desire for somebody that you, somebody else to have this or that. What it comes down to is the love of anything that you don't have. It says up here before here, the sixth verse says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, I've become convinced that, okay, let me back up. I started off by telling y'all that God has used some things, set them in opposition, light and darkness, Thanksgiving and covetousness, and I haven't gotten to Thanksgiving yet. I've got to hurry up. There are also some things that are inseparable, okay? Just as there are some things that cannot coexist, there are some things that are inseparable. I want to, I've, godliness and contentment are two of those things, okay? I've come to believe and realize that you can't have godliness without contentment. And you can't have contentment without godliness. So those two things, they just go, they do go hand in hand. They are, they are not set in opposition. They are very much part and parcel 
one of another. You can't have one without the other. But if you think about the love of money as being the love of anything above and beyond what God has blessed you with, God in his all-wise providence has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So the love of gain, the love of wanting more than, than, than what it is, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know, if you think of the love of, of any type of gain being the root of all evil, well, it is. Because, as Brother Sam pointed out earlier, he said that uh, the Bible says, this is over in, uh, I'll turn to, I think it's in Colossians, here, third chapter. Third chapter of Colossians. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. You know what, there it is, once again, in a list of different things, covetousness is there at the end. Don't think it's, I don't believe in coincidences anyhow. No such thing as a coincidence with God. But he's calling our attention to this, covetousness, which is idolatry. The desire for whatever it is above and beyond what God has blessed you with is covetousness. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil, and it is idolatry because you people, when they get in that place, their desire to obtain whatever it is, like I said, it doesn't have to be money, but it could be fame, it could be position, it could be desiring this or that for their children, it becomes an idol. It can become an idol. It can become more important to that person than their salvation, and when that happens, the, the evil eye is there. It's no longer a single eye. And the light leaves and the darkness comes in. And how great is that darkness when that occurs? Um, I know I'm using up more, than, more, of my, more time than I should. This is uh, over here in the 11th chapter. 11th chapter of Luke. In this chapter, Jesus gives several warnings. Okay, He gives a warning about hypocrisy refers to it as the leaven of the Pharisees. He gives uh, warnings of, of several different things here, but I'm going to go down to the, um, the 13th, 13th verse. It says, and one of the company, let me back up. There was a lot of folks hearing this. First verse says, in the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch they trod upon one another. Okay, there were so many of them, they were walking all over top of each other's feet. There was, the crowd was so thick. So there was a lot of people listening to these warnings that Jesus had. Jesus had a warning about covetousness. 13th verse, it says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, <clears throat> speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. 
And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So tonight, as I think about having that single eye, as I think about keeping my focus entirely on God, I want to make sure that I'm rich toward God, that I'm not coveting after other things. You may ask, well, what was that part about Thanksgiving? Well, let me tell you, when you're truly thankful, turn over to Philippians. When you're truly thankful for how much God has blessed you with, when you're in the place, when you, we sing a song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you're truly thankful to God for all that he's blessed you with, there's no time or any desire or any aptitude at all to covet. When you, when you get in the place that, you know, Brother John Keldall has a saying. You all probably know what it is. People ask him, how are you doing, Brother John? His response is, I'm doing better than I deserve. I like, I like that. God has exceedingly blessed us above all that we could ask or think. Here in the, uh, this is Philippians, 4th chapter of Philippians, the 6th verse. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Well, if in our prayers and if in our, in our supplications to God, if we have realized and taken account, taken an inventory of what all God has done for us, and then we compare it to what is it that we have done for him in return. I don't care who you are. <clears throat> Our part is short. You can be living, we can, we have an example to follow who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. We can be following the example of Christ. We can be, we can have this, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal to God. Um, 
made himself as a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, we can follow the example of Christ in our daily life as we're called to do, as anything short of that will keep us out of heaven. We can do that, but when you compare what we've done for him versus to how much we've received from God, we're always going to come up short. There, there's uh, after all you've done for me, can I give less than all to thee? Um, over here in, let me go back to Colossians. This was in the third, third chapter. It says, um, so we got to the part about Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime. We all did. We ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the love of God our Savior... Toward man appeared. We were all in that shape. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. In, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And I believe Brother Stephen just read that. But this is what I wanted to get to. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Yes. Giving thanks to God. If we, if we fulfill this 17th verse of whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, there's going to be no place for covetousness in our life. If we stay in that state of thanksgiving, if we stay in that state of, of being thankful, there's going to be no time or, or aptitude or inclination for covetousness. And that single eye, the light of God, is going to continue to guide. It's going to continue to direct. And I uh, would like to leave you all with one thought here as you think back to, um, to when God called you. This is in the first this is in the first chapter of first Peter. Um, I'm going to start with the thirteenth verse. It says, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, 
and hope to the end for the grace that is that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy we we'll skip over to the second chapter it says here um, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So tonight, I would like for each one of you to think back to the day that God called you the time in your life when God spoke to your heart, showed you you were lost, showed you that you needed a Savior. Did he bring you out of darkness? Did he call you out of darkness and bring you into his marvelous light? If that was not your experience, it can be. That is the salvation experience. Anything short of that being called out of darkness and being called into his marvelous light, anything short of that, and we haven't obtained salvation. We haven't, we haven't received that second work of sanctification that Jesus came to impart to, to everyone. So tonight we want to pray with anybody here who has experienced the call of God and, you know, this, God calls everybody. The scripture tells us that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So we don't, in our human realm, we, it's hard for us to comprehend how God is able to call everybody. But he does. Nobody's left out. Nobody's overlooked. And thankfully, he continues to call. I believe he stands all day long with his arms outstretched, saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So tonight, if there's anybody here that feels the call of God in their life, if there's anybody here who hasn't responded to that call, who hasn't been called out of darkness, and into his marvelous light. We want to pray with you.
We want to pray with you tonight. Today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart.